Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. Things World Wondering Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how the devil are you? Rob Goodwin, it's always blessed to be here. I am fantastic, as always, my friend. Uh, really glad you sound fantastic. You sound much better than you've done the last few weeks. I'm assuming you're feeling better there, good sir. Feeling loads better now. Uh, still got a touch of a cough but rather than it making me feel unwell it's just irritating me because it it tends to be when i lie down and then suddenly i just want to cough everywhere but no my uh, my voice is significantly better um my face is significantly better um though i don't know if my girlfriend would uh, agree with that or not <laughs> but uh... <laughs> that's that awesome that but, uh, yeah feeling feeling loads better looking forward to uh talking to you about this and of course our fantastic uh, five-star preview coming up next week, which I'm uh, I'm getting excited for, Matt. It's that you've got that feeling in the air, that five-star feeling. Yeah, we were just uh, talking here, just texting yesterday and just before we went on. This is a, is a good possibility that this show is going to be one of our shorter shows just because there's only two shows to review and and not really much going on. And then next week we have, uh, if the, I'm assuming the Cork and Hall show will go up. And then Stardom, I don't know if you know this, Rob, they're running five days in a row. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So there's those five <laughs> shows there. Plus, our, plus uh, you know, Utami in New York. I will have that full review uh, as you're listening to this. It's uh, As this drops, I don't know if your uh, Patreon obviously drops on Thursday. But Friday, I'll be uh, in New York for the Utami GCW show, which we'll get into more of that later there, Mr. Rob Goodwin. But uh, and then, of course, you, we have our big five five star preview. So 
If you're upset that this show is going to go less than two hours, we will make up for it next week. Because oh. next week is going to be a barn burner of a show there, good sir. Absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be absolute carnage. And I think, Matt, we should actually take a deep breath because this show, episode 128, I believe, I think, maybe, um, is it feels like a first in the fact that there isn't a stardom pay-per-view to talk about this week. And when was the last time I said that? I feel like it's been uh, every single episode lately there's been a stardom pay-per-view to talk about. But no, we are sort of in a little bit of a calm before the uh, before the five-star storm. Um, but before we talk any stardom, before we talk about uh, Utami's tour of America, or as I like to call it, Utami... Uh, oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen! Look at ladies that, ladies and gentlemen! Oh. I tell you what, I tell you what. If anybody from GCW is listening to this show, uh, as uh, again, as this comes out, <laughs> they're going to be printing those shirts and they're going to be selling them at Utami's merch table come Friday, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, do you know what? I don't blame you if you unsubscribe after that joke. Um... <laughs> How dare you <laughs> subscribe more? Subscribe twice. But we mentioned last week, Matt, that um, you, in a sense, made your AEW debut. Um, uh, And by you, I mean a still image of you tending to a bloody and fallen CM Punk um, back in the Ring of Honor glory days. And uh, obviously, this Saturday on Collision, uh, we had the rematch between Joe and Punk, obviously, after their incredible series and i think 2004 um but it uh it ignited some memories for you didn't it this match on saturday yeah i know this isn't the uh the aw podcast this is the stardom cast but i just i kind of just this joe versus punk match really hit me in the fields for several different reasons i know we have new listeners to the show um every week and thank you we welcome you we hope you have a uh, good time enjoy this as much as rob and i do but for anybody new listening to the podcast just a quick quick wrestling background on me uh, i was trained in the ring of honor dojo some geez almost 19 years ago by one cm punk and uh, he was my main trainer samoa joe sprinkled in a lot of knowledge and a lot of help as well um, during this time samoa joe was in the middle of his darn near two-year run with the ring of honor championship and whenever there was an east coast show punk would or excuse me joe would stay over at punks over on the weekend and then joe would come in and help train us on mondays uh, there is a video out there of Samoa Joe choking me out, which I have sent to Rob about a year ago. So, yes, that does that is in the ether when I was all about <laughs> of 150 pounds soaking wet, holding a brick. So, um, and obviously, the if you know your Ring of Honor history, uh, the CM Punk Samoa Joe trilogy in 04 um, really helped Ring of Honor stay afloat. Their DVD sales, even though they were like selling out buildings and doing really well ticket sales, it was just their costs for bringing in talent and uh production was just so high that they were having trouble stay afloat and they wind up uh, really you know keeping the company afloat just on those uh three matches the trilogy of joe versus punk matches um and yeah i did jokingly send out a tweet we joked about it last week that when they were going over last week on dynamite when they were showing the uh the feud it was uh you know the last match which i believe was all-star extravaganza two um in new jersey Samoa Joe bloodied CM Punk out and uh, and choked him out, and they showed that a real quick image. I'm like, oh, there I am. You know, I'm kind of in the ring. And uh, what had happened, too, is a buddy of mine who uh, – I'm not a buddy of mine, a close friend of mine, a uh, gentleman that I actually graduated the Ring of Honor Dojo with, Shane Hagedorn, who does uh, production work for AEW. He works for AEW and just 
a, you know, the definition of a good brother, just a really, really good dude. He's actually in the midst of writing uh, a book on Ring of Honor, and uh, he actually sent me a text message just the other day, and he's like, I'm literally writing the Punk vs. Joe trilogy that's on the chapter that I'm on now. He's like, do you mind, like, giving me a quote? Because you were there at ringside. And, uh, you know, I basically recorded a, uh, an audio thing and sent it over to him, you know, to, to help him out just basically what it was like watching the two of them, you know, kind of put their match together and literally being in guerrilla position with CM Punk as his, as his music played. And I, again, this was, you know, some 18, 19 years ago, and I remembered it really well. So Collision, you know, I'm getting, I'm excited to watch Collision. I'm wondering if I can stay up because uh, I know the main event's going to probably start around 9.30 and I fall asleep very early because I get up very early. So I was texting my buddy Shane, uh, you know, back and forth and he was there in Toronto working production for AEW. Sometimes he likes to take jabs at me, Rob, because he knows how much of a huge fan I am of a lot of the Japanese talent mm. that goes over to AEW, especially Minoru Suzuki and Katsuhori Shibata. So when he's doing production and if he's ever doing like ring uh, ringside production, he'll take a picture of like Suzuki or Shibata like five feet away and be like, yeah, here's what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, you get to feed your family on that. And I'm spending $40, $50 for this pay-per-view. But uh, no, good, you know, good on him. You know, we, uh, he's a uh, gentle, gentle light ribbing on that on, on that aspect. But uh, also, too, I was getting messages from another former graduate of the Ring of Honor Dojo and a, another member that I did several, several thousand Hindu squats with. Uh, Evan Starsmore, and uh, I only talk to him every, you know, now and again, maybe on his birthday, I'll send him a message or Christmas or whatever. So we engage in a nice conversation pretty much the whole entire from, you know, eight o'clock to 10 o'clock Eastern time. So um, that was really cool to kind of just catch up with him and see how, he, you know, he's doing and whatnot. So the kind of three of us were just kind of just messaging each other back and forth as this match happened. And I thought the match was really, really solid, really fantastic. And I'm really glad it ended the way that it did with uh, actress Samoa Joe getting pinned. He, uh, instead of, you know, upholding the code of honor, Rob, he choked out one CM Punk, which means the feud is just beginning again. So super excited about that. But yeah, it brought back a lot of memories of 18, 19 years ago of just Punk and Joe, their fantastic trilogy of matches. And if you haven't seen those matches, I implore everybody, go out of your way to find them. I think there's some on YouTube. If you want to be old school like me and find the DVDs, I believe Punk Joe 1 was a show called World Title Classic. Punk Joe 2, easy to find if the name of the show is Punk vs. Joe 2. And then the uh, the final match from the trilogy was All-Star Extravaganza uh, 3, or excuse me, 2. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I always talk about the greatest trilogy of matches. I always talk about Io and Mayu and Sherry versus Utami on the show because we are a stardom podcast. Obviously, Flair and Steamboat is up there, uh, you know, as well. But uh, I implore everybody, if you have not seen these trilogy of matches, go out of your way to see them. Because, yeah, this uh, this match the other day, it took me back, you know, 18, 19 years. And the fact I can talk to two friends of mine that we went through the uh, Ring of Honor Dojo Wars together, you know, pretty much mostly throughout the entire week. And I thought it was really, really cool. And uh, I think that's just the beauty of wrestling. You can kind of just be transported back just by a match or a promo or just, you know, kind of somebody coming back. So that's why I always say I don't like it when people call wrestling the F word. Um, but uh, the reason why is, it, to me, it's the realest sport in the world because the emotions that you feel from either a match or a promo or something that can literally transport you back and get you connected with some friends that you don't get to talk to, you know, on a daily basis or a weekly basis. I just thought that was uh, really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Wrestling is one of those things that can, it really can 
have that effect on you. Um, and that's that's what makes it special. That's what makes it different to uh, all other forms of sport or entertainment or whatever you class it as. Um, that match, I think it's Punk Joe 2, the 60-minute draw. Um, good grief. Like... It's up there as one of the best Ring of Honor matches ever, you know, in the same breath as, you know, things like Danielson and McGuinness. Um, it really is a tremendous bat. I'd argue it's one of Punk's best matches. Um, and it's one that I've watched recently as well. So uh, it really does stick in there. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't gone, check them out actively actively encourage you to go and check them out. Even if you don't like Punk and Joe, you can play the Spot the Mat game, which is uh, which is always fun um, when you're watching old <laughs> Ring of Honor shows. It's just in the third match. I'm not... The first one was in <laughs> Ohio. I was... I think I was in New Jersey on vacation. I think I went to OzFest. The second one was in Chicago, and I just couldn't make those trips out there. Just... My, Lily was just born, and I was literally on a shoestring budget, and there's just no way I've been able to afford to get out there and then miss a day or two at work. So it's just the third match. You can you can plainly see it's me. I'm the the guy with the terrible Chris Jericho uh, style ass goatee <laughs> in the early 2000s. And uh, again, I'm probably about 40 or 50 pounds lighter than I am now. But uh, yeah, you can you, you you can see me in there tending to a bloody uh, CM Punk. Yeah, I was gonna say about. Um the goatee because you did mention the goatee on our last episode and i was like i need i need to see the goatee and <laughs> and do you know what bless you you were right it was dreadful so um <laughs> i'm glad you got rid of that you look uh significantly better now good sir oh thank you yeah you know i can't hide this beautiful face but i wind up shaving it off when i had to get a corporate job and then uh then i met my wife a handful of years later and uh she's like yeah after about two or three days of not shaving like you need to shave and i was like yes ma'am you know i i, <laughs> I believe in happy wife happy life so i was like you got it honey whatever you want so every now and again i'll joke with her i'm like i'm gonna bring back the go i'm gonna bring back the jericho style goatee from the early, to the early 2000s like just a river and she gets so mad so fast and i'm generally you know rob you've known me for almost two years i'm generally a pretty easy going you know the ultimate baby face Man, I can heal my wife like nothing. That's all I got to tell her is I'm just going to bring back that goat to you. Better not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, let's sort of bring the conversation back towards stardom. Let's talk, Matt, about our Patreon. What is coming up this week on the Stardom Cast Extra? Rob, last week we just released alternate commentary Sherry versus Micah from the 2021 Five Star Grand Prix. Coming up uh, this next week, we'll be doing alternate commentary from the same year, 2021, Utami versus Tam Nakano. I believe that was on the final night. Um, yeah, because I think the final night, I think the last three matches was Sherry versus Takumi, Tam versus Utami, and then Sherry versus Momo. So, boy, what a final three-stretch matches that final night was. Um, and then uh, this weekend, it should be in everybody's Patreon feeds, will be the 2018 five-star Grand Prix run slash win from the icon of stardom, Mayu Iwatani. And uh, Rob, I failed to mention this last week that is about a week or two ago, I sent you a message and I didn't realize that there was five Mondays in the month of July, which, you, which we always drop the alternate commentaries on a Monday. So we decided we're going to give everybody a bonus. And I tweeted this out and I know not everybody follows us on Twitter or that are, has a Twitter account. Um, but um, what we're going to do is we're going to be giving everybody a bonus alternate commentary. On the last Monday of this month, we're going to be doing Sherry versus Julia 
from uh, Dream Queendom from uh, the end of last year. That win, one of the greatest stardom matches of all time. So, Rob, if you're keeping count at home, for $10, you get alternate commentary. This is just this month alone. Alternate commentary for $10 of this, this, these matches alone. You get Hazuki versus Julia, Sherry versus Micah, Cam versus Yutami, Hazuki versus Mayu, Misawa versus Kawada, and Sherry versus Julia. On top of that, Rob Goodman, for your 10 American dollars, you also get a review of Mayu's 2018 five-star win, Julia's 2022 five-star win. You also get um, what if, what if Julia did not get injured and won the 2021 five-star Grand Prix and our roundtable discussion, which will be our top five favorite stardom uh, five-star Grand Prix matches. Rob and I will be joined by the third best looking man in all of Joshi, one Scott E. Wrestling. That's all for 10 bucks, <laughs> buddy. Absolutely. Um, Scott, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I think you're a hell of a good looking guy. Definitely better looking than me. So don't you worry about it. You, Wait a minute. Don't you, know you listen means? to this evil Matt Turner on the other end. <laughs> that's like, you know what that's like? That's like if you're a territory wrestler in the 80s and you get a phone call from from the Crockett saying, we want so-and-so to join the four horsemen. And then we want you, excuse me, to join the four horsemen. Obviously Rick and Arn are going to be one and two, but you're going to be third. We're me and you are two good looking guys, buddy. We're one and two. We're now Scott is the hardest working man in Joshi. We'll give him that. Absolutely. But I think as far, but I think me and you are slightly better looking. That's just wow. me. That again, Again, Rob, we, we always say in this podcast, it's subjective. It's subjective. Wrestling subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so they say. <laughs> um, this is not where I thought the podcast was going to go today. Um, a discussion. It, of never, a rank- does. it never, never does. <laughs> a ranking list of attractiveness between me, you, and Scotty Wrestling. Um <laughs> not where i thought this was going um no it's gonna be it's gonna be great it's always fun when scott comes on and uh, especially for these roundtable discussions which are you know one of my favorite episodes to record and um, that should be taking place next week so we'll be dropping i believe on sunday the 23rd of july which of course is the first day of the five star grand prix uh, on top of that matt did mention um that misawa and kawada alternate commentary that is for our iwgp patrons and above our five dollar and above patrons um you are gonna have the uh the pleasure of us just going oh, oh my god oh my god for 30 odd minutes of uh what is a phenomenal match between kawada and masawa from 1992 we're not doing 1994 yet i'm sure we'll get there but we're looking at 1992 first um and that will be dropping this sunday as you are listening, which I believe, I could be wrong, um, but I believe is the 16th. It is indeed. God, I'm good. Look at you, buddy. You're on a, you must have slept really good. Oh, do you know what? I did. I did sleep really well. I did See sleep that. really well. Um, speaking of Patreon, I just want to give a shout out to our latest patrons, uh, Ben Lee, uh, Jeff Shizlak, who has gone up a tier. He has gone uh, up to our IWGP tier, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, Ian Daddy Bones, again, phenomenal name. Uh, Edward Kaczynski and uh, Christian Williamson. Uh, Christian Williamson. Christian Wilson, I apologize as well. Um, So thank you to all of our patrons. We could not do that without your support. You're all phenomenal. Um, But let's move into a little bit of the news coming out of stardom this week there's a couple of things um a couple of big things and then just a couple of tidbits more than 
anything. But first off, um, obviously, because it's stardom and we can't do one thing at a time, um, during the five-star, we have got two pay-per-views the first of which is the stardom x stardom 2023 show which is going to be from august 13th uh, which is a sunday eddie and arena osaka first stadium we have our first two official match announcements for that card um and we have the goddess of stardom championships um are on the line rose gold the champions mina shirakawa and mariah may defending against the Cosmic Angels team of Seori Anu and Natsupoi. Uh, so that does promise to be a phenomenal match. Very excited about that. And the high-speed belt is also on the line. Uh, Saki Kashima looking to achieve V2 uh, against Koguma, who it feels hasn't had a high-speed championship match in a long time. It felt like she would have one every other week and then just hasn't had one in a long, long time. So I'm glad to see Kogama doing that as opposed to just being sort of on the undercard doing the comedy stuff, Matt. Remember when uh, Kogama challenged Starlight Kid and Starlight Kid beat her, and then, uh, you know, Azumi comes out for the challenge, and then Kogama, who just lost, was like, why don't we make this a three-way? And then Starlight Kid, who's a heel, was like, should have just taken a one-on-one match. was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I was like, wait a minute, you just lost? And then you, you just reintroduce yourself into a title shot. I think Yunagi did something like, uh, much like that too. But yeah, you're right. It was like, you know, we need to get these V1s, up, these uh, Vs up for uh, Saki Kashima until she drops it to May Sarah, which I think everybody thinks that's what's going to happen. And no disrespect to Saki Kashima, but I think that's what should happen because I think May Sierra is the uh, basically the, bl- bl- the blueprint, easy for me to say, the blueprint of what the high-speed division should be, you know, going forward. So I think that's a good, a good fit. So it's like, oh, we haven't had her you know, have a championship match in a long time, considering she she had like six a year. Um, yeah, I think both matches will be excellent, but I think both champions will probably uh, probably retain. But yeah, I'm excited to see Kagama get a uh, high-speed championship match. And, you know, she's all about the high speed and the shenanigans, and so is uh, Saki Kashima. So that should be a lot of comedy, a lot of shenanigans. And I'm excited to see how much Saki's going to involve with this new training she has with Shiri and the members of God's Eye as well going into this match, Rob. Absolutely. This is a very different Saki Kashima to the one that won the title. Um, Also on that card um, is a five-star Grand Prix match. It's a Red Stars block match. Uh, It's an all-the-weather tie affair, Starlight Kid versus Natsukatora, which if they forego the Oedetai shenanigans, which for those New Japan fans out there is very similar to Bullet Club on Bullet Club matches where uh, there tends to be a lot of shenanigans and then there tends to be a really good sprint at the end. Um, hopefully, if that if they manage to uh, resist the urge to do that, that has the potential to be a very, very, very good match because Starlight Kid's fantastic in ring, one of the best in the company, and Tora, when she's given the opportunity, is very very good and i feel like her style is going to go really really well with starlight kid so i'm excited to see that um a little bit of a sour now aya sakura uh the rookie um will be absent from july 12th to july 21st uh because of an injury which is a shame so there are some card changes in regard to that and obviously we wish aya sakura a speedy, speedy recovery. Um, <laughs> this really made me laugh, Matt. And uh, I want to thank Peps on Twitter for this. Um, 
because this really did make me laugh. Mayu Iwatani, um, which in itself is enough to make me laugh. Um, well, we she, love her. Oh, she's great. She's just the best. So she bought tickets, aeroplane tickets. Oh, I saw this one now. Go ahead. Oh, my God. She bought plane tickets to fly out of Narita Airport, which, and again, those people who are more au fait with Tokyo and Japan will be able to tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe is an airport in Tokyo. It is not, as Mayu found out, the only airport in Tokyo, as she bought tickets to fly out of Narita and turned up to Haneda Airport, which is on completely the other side of Tokyo. So, presumably, she had to pay for another set of tickets. Only Mayu Iwatani would this happen to. Truly, the IWGP women's champion now matt one thing i would ask is obviously the iwgp women's championship is to be defended worldwide to raise the stock of that title of stardom and of uh, new japan's women's division would you trust mayu iwatani to fly anywhere it's not like she had it's not like she's flying into chicago right where chicago has two different airports it's like Tokyo, it's Japan. She lived there like her, her entire life. Yeah, correct. But again, and then didn't she like tweet out like like not for nothing? Like if that was me, I'd probably embarrass. I'd you know tell my wife she'd make fun of me. You know I'd probably tell you and a few of my other friends. And then I kind of keep it quiet. But like I think Mayu like directly tweeted it out. I was like, yeah, I guess what I did. Like it's almost again at a point. I don't know if this is stick or not, but I don't care because she's so damn entertaining. And again, Mayu who can't figure out what airport to fly out of is one of the greatest wrestlers, male or female, of this generation. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Absolutely. What? I just, I don't even... It's got to the point now where nothing surprises me with uh, with Mayu. Um, speaking of Mayu Iwatani, um, Diana Perazzo was interviewed on the Impact Wrestling podcast, and she was asked about the Multiverse United show, which, for those who don't know, is effectively Impact Wrestling and New Japan's version of The Forbidden Door. It's a crossover show. Um, The first one, I believe, was in March or April, and they're on the precipice of doing the second one quite soon. Um, She was asked who she'd like a match with, Um, and she went on to say that there is one rematch I'd love to have, and that's against Mayu Iwatani. The last time we competed was back in Ring of Honor for the then Women of Honor's Championship, and she defeated me, so I would love to revisit that. Now, I haven't seen a great deal of Diana Perrazzo in stardom. Um, From what I remember, she had a shot against... Momo Watanabe for the white belt. You are correct, good sir. Say it with confidence. Go ahead, do that again. <laughs> um, she absolutely had a match <laughs> against Momo Watanabe, and it was actually a really good match um, with Diana Brazo targeting Momo's arm. Um, and I was wondering, Matt, obviously, I've seen more of Diana Brazo in Impact and Ring of Honor recently. Is that a matchup that you'd be interested in? You know, we talked about stardom. Um, and AEW and how that relationship seemed to be more complicated than was necessary, as proved by GCW, which we'll talk about. But if anything, that relationship with GCW, where, according to Dave Meltzer, they just said a week before, can we take Utami and start, and Bushi Road went, yeah, go on then. Um, 
if that was an option to have Mayu Iwatani flown out, to have her wrestle against Diana Perazzo at Multiverse United 2, would that be something that you're interested in? Do you think the styles would mesh well? thousand percent. Yeah, Diana Perazzo is great. Uh, obviously, they have two different styles. Diana's more of the, the technical wrestler. Mayu's more of the flyer and the striker. But those two are so good that I think they would mesh really well. And just a quick little sidebar, Rob. I did notice the... Uh, I did see part of that interview. I did notice on Diana Perazzo's uh, Zoom camera there that in her background, she had some uh, world-famous Jack Kirby art. She had the cover of Matt, the Captain America Mad Bomb on, the, uh, on her wall. So as if I wasn't a fan enough, Diana Perazzo, <laughs> she, was, she was showing some love to the king of comics, one Jack Kirby. I thought that was awesome. But yes, to answer your question, yeah, absolutely. And I think that would get, again, Impact Wrestling, is a you know it's a pretty it's a really big company and they're doing really really well over there especially since Scott Demore took over the reins a handful of years ago and their women's division arguably the second best women's division over here in the states I mean they've done a really good job building that division you know with Jordan Grace and they have Masa Slamovich over there and obviously Diana Perazzo is kind of you know the uh, the centerpiece of that division and rightfully so but uh, Diana versus Mayu match and the fact that like she. You know, when they they asked her, you know, who would you like to wrestle without without even a blink of an eye? She added on the tip of her tongue that she wanted to wrestle Mayu. And uh, if that is a match that does happen, I believe those shows are taking place in Philadelphia at the uh, old ECW arena. And uh, that's one, if it does get announced, that I might have to take the trip out to the city of brotherly love there, good sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like if Mayu Iwatani is coming to a townie, I mean, I'm saying this, Matt. She'll end up in like Pittsburgh, or she'll end up in Phoenix, or something. Let's be, let's be perfectly gotta, honest. Gotta pee. Pittsburgh's five hours away. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Uh, it's Western Pennsylvania, and then Phoenix is the other side of the country. So yeah, you have a point. I might have to hold. You know, I might have to buy the ticket with that extra insurance. Like it's like you know, <laughs> you pay like fifteen dollars extra for a ticket in case you don't go, so you get your money back. I'm like. I'll go to see Mayu, but I better buy this insurance. <laughs> <laughs> the chances are that this won't happen because obviously it's smack dab right in the middle of the five star. Um, and I think it's the week after the uh, the show we just mentioned, the Stardom X Stardom show um, on August the 20th. Um, I doubt that Mayu will be flown out for that reason. However, just because I haven't got the schedule of the five star to hand, um, maybe if there is a gap, Maybe they can work something out, but uh, it's it's very, very, very unlikely. Hopefully in the future, I imagine that uh, if there is a third in this multiverse chronology, which apparently there is supposed to be, maybe that's something that they can uh, visit a little bit further down the line. Um, a couple more things that I just want to talk about before we go into our reviews for today. Starlight Kid turned up on the G1 Climax 33's Big Debate, um, which was basically a show where people um, gave their predictions, their bracketology, so to speak, and who they would have win the G1 33, which obviously starts this Saturday, July 15th, so very excited there. Um, uh, the Great O'Khan turned up, which is always a good time, um, but... I believe, and again, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Starlight Kid predicted that Sonada, the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, 
would win the G1 Climax 33. Now, that's bold. The reason I say that is because, and Matt, I know you love a little bit of trivia, so let's get a little bit of our trivia on. Um, Because there's only two people who have ever won the G1 Climax whilst holding the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Can you name those two? Five years ago, I'd be able to tell you who they were. I'd be able to tell you who they, the year, and they beat them in the finals. Um, because I was such a, you know, and I try to keep up on New Japan as much as possible, but uh, keep this quiet, Rob. I'm really into this wrestling company called Stardom, and that takes up majority of my time. Um, was it Nakanishi? <laughs> it was not Nakanishi. Okay, let's see. So there's two of them. How about Nagata? Nope. Okay, Tenzan. No, but Tenzan was defeated in one of the finals. Okay. Um, uh, it wasn't Kojima, was it? It wasn't Kojima. Okay. La- my last guess is going to be, as, as I'm literally throwing out every wrestler that's not Chono or Muda, um, then I'm going to say, I don't um Tanahashi. No, that would that would have been a sensible guess. Um, you should have gone with Muto. Muto is one of them. Keiji Muto, 1995, um, won at the G1 Climax and was the champion at the same time. because He, of... beat, he, beat, he beat Hashimoto in the finals, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, great match, from what I remember. Um, and the last one was one I wouldn't have guessed. If I was predicting, I'd have gone for Chono, simply because, you know, he's Mr. G1. Um, but no... And I'm sure people are going, come on, Rob, who is it? Or they're shouting the name at their car speakers or in the library or wherever people listen to this podcast. It was actually Kensuke Sasaki. Um, that, yes, yes, that's a person I had on the tip of my tongue. That's right. Um, in the year 2000. So uh, there you go. Sonoda would be an illustrious company there if he were to go on and win the G1 Climax 33. But just before we kick into uh, our actual podcast, because we have actually got a podcast to do, Matt. Um, <laughs> just very quickly, who is your pick to win the G1 Climax 33? If you even got a pick. I do. Tam Nakano. No, uh, it's going to be... <laughs> Uh, my pick is Will Ospreay. Mm. I'd be very surprised if he's not Osprey this year. Um, is he your pick too? Because you know, you know what that means, buddy. If we both pick something, that is true. Actually, if we both pick Osprey, he's not going to win. Um, <laughs> he's be so mad at us. I mean, obviously, if if it was like anybody, you'd want Eddie Kingston to win it. I mean, the fact that we're getting Eddie Kingston versus Shingo Takagi is already magical but the fact that we uh that would be beautiful eddie kingston winning the g1 it's obviously not going to happen um but i I think it's probably going to be osprey um you look at obviously the matchups you could potentially have sonata drop the belt to okada and then have okada osprey again and have osprey finally topple okada that'd be a story that you'd want um However, Sonata is doing good things with that championship. His match with Yota Suji at Dominion was short, but really good. Um, I'm intrigued to see what they do with him. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to plump for Will Ospreay. He came so close in what was a phenomenal match uh, at last year's final. Um, so I think this year he goes just that one step further 
and goes on to win. So for those people who want to watch July 15th and 16th, it's free on New Japan World this weekend as well. You don't need a subscription to New Japan World. It is free. Go and check it out. Um, however, Matt, we talked about Utami, um, and the tour of Utami and GCW began last weekend. She had two shows back-to-back. The first one, GCW Clean Up Man at the Webster Theatre, Hartford, Connecticut, USA. Um, and she took on Billy Starks, defeating Billy Starks with the torture rap bomb in 10 minutes and 38 seconds in the semi-main event. Now, there's a couple of things, Matt. First of all, did you watch this match? Yes, I did not watch the, the Janai Kai one yet. Um, but yes, I did watch this match actually live as it happened, um, right after Collision. So I had a I had a lot of really good wrestling in uh, my life on Saturday. But yes, I did watch it. Yeah, I, it was a it was a good match. It was a good match. Billy Starks is fantastic. Utami's chemistry with Billy Starks was really good. There was a couple of really cool moments. Um, one thing I will say is I love the fact that Utami's American tour, the first time that she's been in America or wrestled in America since 2019, and she's looking around and she's just come back from a match with Billy Starks and Psycho Clown walks past her. And I'm just really intrigued to know what Utami's reaction was to Nick Gage versus Psycho Clown because Jesus, that match. I I don't even know where to begin with that match. Um, But overall, I thought this match was certainly the better of the two that she had. Um, What was your opinion of of Billy Starks? I've seen Billy Starks a handful of times. I think she's fantastic. And I actually tweeted this out. Billy Starks, who just graduated high school, 18 years old, probably going to be signed by AEW if she's not already. The fact that she was to hold her own with one of the best wrestlers in the world in you, Tommy, is just absolutely mind-blowing. Rob, as you know, I have a recent graduate in my house, my 18-year-old daughter, Lily, who I love dearly. Sometimes I have trouble to remind her that every Tuesday she's supposed to take the garbage out. And here's this 18-year-old Billy Starks <laughs> going toe-to-toe with you, Tommy. So, uh, yeah, I thought the match is really good. I thought that if you're scoring this, if this was like an MMA fight, and you're scoring this on points, Billy Starks won. Hmm. which tells me that Utami, when they're either putting the match together or they're calling in the ring, which they might have done 50-50 or maybe with the language barrier, even though from what I understand, Utami does speak pretty good English, um, which might be my uh, my in on Friday, buddy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, hey, if you don't ask the answers, always no, brother. Absolutely. Um, but but uh, obviously, you know, Utami's put, pretty much putting that match together. No disrespect to Billy Starks, but when they're when they're putting the match together, Utami is definitely leading that, rightfully so. But the fact that Utami gave Billy, I don't know, 60, 65% of the match just really just goes to show just how caring she is to get somebody uh, that's as talented as Billy Starks over and put that bigger spotlight on her. Because I'm assuming there was a lot of Utami fans over in Japan that were uh, that were watching that match who's probably never seen Billy Starks before. That were probably like, there's no, re- there we're probably like, you know, wow, this Billy Starks is really, really good. I'm going to have to keep an eye out on her. So I'm sure Billy Starks, you know, as we always say in wrestling, it's the only sport that you can lose but win. And I'm sure Billy Starks got a lot of new fans after that match, especially in the land of the rising sun. Yeah, sort of a theme across these two matches. And, you know, 
something that you know is quite obvious when you think about it is you could tell that Utami was holding just that little bit back and obviously that's something that will have been said by stardom obviously they don't want Utami Hayashisha injured before the five-star Grand Prix one of the biggest stars in the company you certainly don't want it to be out of your premier tournament and there was a couple of moments where you thought right that they're being a bit safe there I didn't think it impacted the Billy Starks match at all thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that match um I thought he had the right mix of sort of strikes and hard hitting but also had a little bit of technical stuff thrown in there as well I thought it was interesting that um throughout all of this Utami won with two of her lesser finishing moves her German suplex that she beat Shinai Kai with the next night and the torture rack bomb um, against Billy Starks. And both these matches were sub-11 minutes, so not long at all. Um, something that I will say, though, is uh, they need to sort the crowd marking out on GCW because every time... And there was a lot of people cheering Utami's name and Billy Starks' is, to be fair, and rightly so. Um, but every time they started champing, uh, chanting, it started clipping the microphone. So... <laughs> That was uh, that was annoying, but there we are. Um, the second match of the weekend was Utami Hayashita versus Janai Kai, um, uh, who Utami beat with the German suplex holding 9 minutes and 13 seconds at JCW's big-ass extreme birthday bash um, at the Ridgefield Park's Knights of Columbus, Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Um, this was a match that I felt it had another couple of gears to get to, um, a lot was given to Kai. Um, obviously, she's known as the kick demon, so there was a lot of kicks being thrown. Utami gave her a lot. Um, but I felt in this match, there was more in the way of communication issues than there was with the Billy Starks match. Um, there was an issue with a powerbomb, I think. Um, I don't know whether someone was in the wrong position or something like that. But again, this is likely to happen. You know, you've got a language barrier. You've got, I don't know how long they had to put the match together or like you mentioned, if they even did put the match together before the match, um, before they actually got into the ring. Um, One thing I will say is obviously Utami massively, massively, massively over. It was just a little bit short. 9 minutes 13, you know, the crowd wanted a bit more. I thought Vader Scott did a fantastic job on commentary, really knew her stuff about stardom, knew about the feud that Utami had with Suri and, you know, her sort of um, fallout with Queen's Quest and her reconciliation and then, you know, relinquishing the leadership as well. So I thought her commentary was a huge, huge plus to this show because it did add a little bit of context and a little bit of uh, a little bit of information about Utami for those seeing it for the first time. If you haven't already seen it, of the three shows she's on, obviously Matt's going to be seeing the one on Friday against um, Lufisto. Um, this one, the one JCW one, was streamed for free on YouTube. So you can check it out on GCW's YouTube channel. Um... I gave the Janai Kai match three and a quarter. It was good, but like I mentioned before, they just felt like they held something back, which is understandable. These were exhibition matches. You weren't having Utami go for championships. You weren't having anyone wrestle for championships. It was an exhibition match. You had a star from another country coming and performing in front of people who wanted to see her. So, you know, no one is complaining. No one at all. Uh, but I gave the Billy Starks match 3.5. I thought, you know, like I say, a good match, a great showcase for Utami, but another great um, 
exhibition for Billy Starks as well, who went up in my estimations when I realised that her entrance theme is Aliens Exist by Blink-182, which uh, is an outstanding, huge, huge (laughs) Blink-182 fan. Um, Since I was about 12, um, because, well, I just, uh, I don't know why I sort of empathised with them. I felt like I was an honorary member of Blink-182. I used to love Tom DeLonge. Um, so yeah, hearing Aliens Exist bursting out of uh, the speakers was like, oh my God, I love this song. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if, if Stardom were to do something with AEW um, in the future, Billy Starks is someone that I'd like to see members of the Stardom roster going against. I'd certainly like to see a Starlight Kid or an Azumi against Billy Starks. Um, Junai Kai... I, I'd like to see her as well. There was something a little bit off here, but that's not to say she's a bad wrestler. I've seen plenty of matches where she's been absolutely brilliant. Unless I'm very much mistaken, Matt, wasn't Kai at the Ignite show that you went to, the Spark Josie show? Yes, she was. She wrestled in the first match with uh, Danny Moe. That was really good. And also, um, she wrestled Jungle Kiona at the, uh, when I met Jungle Kiona at the, uh, of course. At the, yeah. And, uh, and uh, again, I'm going to put, I'm going to put some really, really good shine on Janai Kai. Cause after the match was over, like I met Jungle Kiona before the show, told her about the podcast, big fan. You know, we talked about some of her, you know, championship matches and with Mayu and yada, yada, yada. So as soon as the match was over, she came by gorilla. You know, I waited for her to cool down and I went over and, you know, I said, she goes, how was the match? I said, it was really good. I go, uh, she seems to kick pretty hard. She goes, yeah, she kicks very hard like Aritha and Momo. So, I mean, I, what more, you know what I mean? When you have somebody that's been kicked a lot of times by Momo Watanabe and Arissa Oshinki when she puts Janai Kai in the same category, I think that's, that's like a double positive. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't, I, maybe it was just a little bit of a clash of styles, but or maybe it was the fact they were only given nine minutes. But either way, it's really nice to see you, Tommy, getting these reactions from the GCW and American crowds. Um, and I look forward to seeing what happens at that show um, with Lufisto on Friday. And Matt, I know that you're very excited and you're going to report back in full next week, aren't you? In full, yes. And I just want to say that I did see a, um, a lot of people that did the meet and greet with you, Tommy. They did uh, tag us in pictures and sent us messages. And uh, it's all been nothing but, uh, you know, praise of just how nice and how caring you, Tommy, is with their time. So uh, super, super excited for that. And, uh, Rob, I might poke the bear a little. I might poke the bear because I'm not going to this show alone. My beautiful bride is coming with me. We decided to, uh, cause we don't get much vacation time. Cause we're always just so busy doing so much other stuff. And my wife doesn't like to leave the cats by themselves for more than a day. So we're making it a, uh, a trip. We've got a hotel room. We're going to be staying in New York city for about 24, 28 hours, give or take. Now, Rob, um, there's a very good possibility that the main event of dream kingdom can be you, Tommy versus Tam. And as you know, Rob, me and my wife, we are the definition of opposites attract on many, many things. One of them is our love or non-love for the team that is Meltier, especially one Tam Nakano. I love her. She can't stand her. So there's a very good possibility that if I poke Amber enough, she may be yelling something to you, Tommy, be like, turn her purple hair red, something like that. I don't know. My wife is a, she's very well reserved when she's out in public and an absolute sweetheart, but uh Man, sometimes when uh, we're watching some Starm together and Tan comes on the screen, you can just you can just see it in their face, like ah, 
this one again and again i lean into it i lean into it brother <laughs> you've got to my man you have to the idea of the one thing to turn your otherwise pacifist wife <laughs> towards violence is a hatred of tam nakano properly it properly tickles me um uh, i'll say this real quick though if anybody is going to that show and you see me um more than likely not more than likely 100 percent, i'll be wearing some some sort of stardom cash shirt and handing out several uh, probably stickers and uh, business cards <laughs> as well. If you do see me, you know, come over and, and say hello. And we'll, we can have a chat. We can have a chat. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can have a beer with him. Why the hell not? If you're over a, of the legal age of 21. <laughs> or just don't tell him. Um... <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a heel. Rod just turned you on me. <laughs> um, we only have two shows to talk about in terms of the stardom canon. Um, at the time of recording, it's the 12th of July. Obviously, stardom rank Oregon Hall on the 9th. Uh, we had another installment of the Generational Battle series, but unfortunately, that hasn't been uploaded to Stardom World as of yet. So, coupled with the 18 billion shows that we've got to cover next week alongside our five-star Grand Prix preview and Matt's rundown of his trip to New York. Um, the episode could be about five and a half hours, so uh, we will be talking about that Corican, just not today, because obviously no one will have seen it. Um, however, one show that we will be talking about is the show from the 1st of July, Stardom Insight Armour. Uh, from the Tokoro Zawa, nailed it, Sakura Town Hall A in Saitama, Japan, in front of 458 people. Um, I'm just going to run through the card and then Matt sort of run us through this card. Um, singles match to open things up then with Tekla defeating high speed champion Saki Kashima in 4 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, we then had a tag team match, Rebel and Enemy, Micah, Ozaki and Ramkai Chow, defeating the Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Miyu Amasaki in 7 minutes and 26 seconds. We then had a tag team match, BMI 2000, Natsukatora and Ruwaka, defeating the Stars team of Hazuki and Sayaida in 8 minutes and 38 seconds, because of course Sayaida has to eat the pin. The streak um, is over, buddy. The streak is over. There we go. There we go. It's because it's not her birthday. Um, eight woman tag match next uh, with the Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Hina, Sayakamatani, and Utami Hayashishta. Don't forget, the show was prior to Midsummer Champions and Utami's bombshell that she was leaving uh, to go on a little tour of America. They defeated the Awedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Rina, Starlight Kid, and Fukik and Death in 13 minutes and 21 seconds. We followed that up with a six-woman tag team match. The DDM team of Julia Micah and Mei Sakurai defeating the Club Venus team of Mariah May, Mina Shirakawa, and Wakasukiyama in 11 minutes and 55 seconds. In your semi-main event, the team of Meisera, Sayori Anu and Suzu Suzuki defeated Aya Sakura and Mayu Iwatani and Hanan in 12 minutes and 36 seconds. And then in your main event, we had the Cosmic Angels team of Natsupoi, Tam Nakano, and new member now, in the future, Yuna Mizumori defeating the God's Eye team of Amisori and Mirai and Hanako in 15 minutes and 26 seconds. Now, this is going to be slightly confusing simply because we're going to have stories here that tie into the pay-per-view that we covered last week. 
Um, but that's just the way the uploads have fallen on Stardom World. So just bear in mind the stuff with Utami, the stuff with Seori Anu, um, and Natsupoi, obviously that has that's now been rectified, but hasn't here. Matt, take us away, good sir. Um, everything was really solid. I did like the uh, the, the team of Saida and Hazuki, who I've kind of dubbed the new Miracle Violence Collection. I mean, is there any two people more violent in random shows than Saya, Ida, and Hazuki? But yeah, my heart was broken when uh, Saya, Ida, who won, I believe, three out of the four shows we reviewed last week, she ate the fall here. Um, what I really, really liked about the show, again, the co-main event and the main event was really good. I really liked how the Queen's Quest team really gelled really, uh, I keep saying really, they gelled fantastic as a team with Utami, Izumi, Ahina, uh, and Saya Kamatani, especially the finish. I loved it how they did the uh, magic killer into the uh, Zoomy with the big double foot thumb. I don't know if there's any big better trio finish in all of wrestling than that. Um, you know, I, I think that that was that was done really really well. But all in all, though, in the main event and co-main event, were both really solid matches on the show. But that was uh, the, really the standout for me was the QQ versus Oedo Tai match because it really seems like they're building towards something with uh, Tora versus Utami and. Uh, I know that like Yuna Mizumori is on this whole weight loss kick thing, and I think she looks fantastic. She's doing really well with it. But I noticed in these two shows, Rob, Tora, she's getting a little bit more ripped up in the midsection and her shoulders, like a little bit more defined. So I think she's hitting the gym as well, and she's, you know, bettering herself and getting ready for what I think she's going to have a really, really good five star. So you know that I am always impressed whenever somebody's trying to improve themselves, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in wrestling, whether, you know, if you're being an actor or actress or. Anything that you're going to do, if you're putting the time in and you're improving yourself, you'll always get a thumbs up to me. So just want to say thumbs up on just the uh, how much Yuna and uh, Tor are doing on improving their body. Because to me, it was really noticeable and uh, really looking forward to see what Tor does in the five star. Yeah, um, you brought up two points there. I mean, yeah, first things first, I'm looking forward to seeing what a motivated and not focusing on shenanigans Tora does in this year's five star because when Moavade has proved by the initial goings of that Utami match, you know, she's capable of putting on absolute bangers. And I feel like we didn't quite get the blow off of that feud when Tora came back. So that first singles match we had with Tora where we had the table spot, it just felt a little bit it felt a little bit there. Um, it felt like it was sort of there, but wasn't there. So there was no meat to it. So I wonder if they are going to build to a proper climax of that rather than uh, the match that we got, which I thought was a little bit underwhelming. Um, in terms of the weight loss, um, we brought it up, I think, two weeks ago <clears throat> in relation to Yuna Mizumori, um, which... We have no issues. If she wants to, you know, lose weight, get into better shape, you do you. That's absolutely fine. Um, and we actively encourage you to do that. We think it's great that you're doing that. Absolutely brilliant. Where we draw the line is it being used in an angle as though to say, right, well, you need to get to a certain weight before we're going to let you into Cosmic Angels, which, for lack of a better phrase, is a little bit of an icky angle. Um, you know, we should be building body positivity and those sorts of things and you've just got to be careful with angles like this um so if Unimizumori wants to go out and wants to lose weight brilliant 
if she's been forced to lose weight, that's a different thing. And the way they were sort of portraying, you know, her joining Cosmic Angels initially was, well, you need to lose some weight before you join our group, which seemed very playgroundy and seemed very unnecessarily, well, for lack of a better word, a bit bitchy. So uh, hopefully we steer away from that and just focus on the positives of uh, Yuna Mizumori's weight weight loss journey, which hopefully will be more of a thing going forward. Matt, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, and uh, she looked, she's got the dance down. Her, Natsu Point, and Tam, and these multi-person uh, tag matches, they work really well together, uh, you know, with Soryu New as well. So she really fits in there. Fantastic. Mm. She's got the bubbly personality. She's dropped the whole pineapple. A lot of the pineapple thing that we saw during the, uh, the battle. <laughs> she's dropped yeah, the pineapple. The- she's dropped the pineapple. Uh, yeah. Signed. Well, she, I think she came in like a pineapple wrap at that Battle Royal last year's World Climax, and I was like, oh. Okay, you know, if that's hey, that's her thing, that's fine, but she got a little bit more serious. She throws those lariats because that's what we need. We need more people in Siren throwing brutal lariats, and she does. She throws some brutal lariats, especially that sliding one. So I'll never say no to more really good lariats. But uh, no, I've been I've been a big fan of Yuna these past three or four months just on her improvement. Like I said, she's uh, she's doing really good, you know, with the uh, with the with the her getting herself into better shape. And uh, I think she's fitting in really well with this uh, new incarnation of Cosmic Angels. And I'm excited to see where it goes after the five-star uh, with the four of them, Tam, Poi, Yuna, and uh, Soria Nu. I do enjoy the fact that every single new member that Cosmic Angels bring in picks the dance up almost instantly. And I'd argue that Wakasukiyama still can't do it. So uh, <clears throat> I do enjoy the fact that that is something <laughs> of a gimmick. Um, one thing I am intrigued is, um, obviously we're not very often going to talk about four-minute openers. Um, but Tekla defeating Saki Kashima, I wonder if we are going to get Tekla challenging for that high-speed belt after the August pay- <clears throat> pay-per-view, because obviously I don't think anyone aside from Azumi who can be classed as high-speed is actually in the five-star. So I do wonder if we're going to have Saki on the undercard of a lot of these shows sort of defending or setting up feuds for the high-speed championship and Tekla versus Saki for the high-speed championship, I'd be very, very interesting. Obviously, Tekla has already gone for the high-speed championship. I believe she took on Azumi and it was a really good match. So I'm excited to see what she does here because Tekla's shown on multiple occasions that she can wrestle that high-speed style but can also interweave it with some really hard hitting and uh, she's deceptively strong as well. She did challenge her and a promo afterwards saying, I just beat you. Can I deserve a shot? And Saki Kasha, who's laying there like half dead was like, no, I'm not going to accept that challenge. You already beat me. You have nothing to prove. (laughs) What a way to get out of it. You know what I mean? It's like, no. (laughs) I thought that was great. That was terrific. But I think, I think what Sherry's going to do is she'll be like, look, you lost you need to build yourself back up. You know, you need to be a fighting champion, like how Sherry was with the SWA belt and obviously the uh, World of Stardom Championship. So I think that's, and that was a little funny thing. She just, Tekla's kind of really good promo and there's Saki just like, she's got her head dropped in the mat. Like, you beat me, you got nothing to prove. I don't accept. <laughs> Saki Kashima is so funny. Like, I've said this on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Like, she is the funniest person on the roster without even trying. She's got mm-hmm. such a dry sense of humor and is so quick. Like, and everything's different. 
So, yeah, I, I love Saki. I think she's great. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with this face turn because her dynamic, especially on this show that we're going to talk about now with Mariah and Amisori, is really quite endearing. And obviously she's now really over. Um, so I'm intrigued to see where this face turn goes. I'm, an exci- I'm excited by it. What I hope is, and I don't think this is the case, but what I hope is that this isn't some sort of weird double turn where she's pretended to leave a weather tie to infiltrate God's eye. I hope that's not what it is. I don't think that's what it is, but I hope it's not because I can't. Look at you, Look at you Vince Russo booking. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I've been burnt too many times. Um but yeah, anyway, let's move on to uh, the show from the 8th. Stardom in Fuji, Saturday the 8th of July 2023 from Fujisan Mess in Shizuoka in front of 480 people. Um, again, I'll just run through the results and then me and Matt will talk about a couple of points to talk about from these six matches. A match one singles match, Momo Watanabe defeated Hanako with the Dojimi chicken wing face lock in six minutes and eight seconds. Match two saw a tag team match the stars team of Kogma and Sayurida, yes, Sayurida got a victory, defeated <laughs> defeated Aya Sakura and Miyu Amasaki with Kogma getting the submission victory over Aya Sakura with a brutal-looking Boston Crab in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. Ida might get the win, she doesn't get the pinfall. Uh, match 3, 6-woman tag team match, the God's Eye team of Mirai, Amisuri, and Saki Kashima defeated the Oedetai team of Tora, Starlight Kid, and Ruwaka with Mirai pinning Ruwaka with the Mirror Mare Shock in 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Match four saw a six-woman tag. The DDM team of Julia Tekla and Mei Sakurai defeated the Queen's Quest team of Sai Kamatani, Azumi, and Lady C with Mei Sakurai pinning Lady C. <sighs> <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw this God finish. Sake. <laughs> and she hit it, and I was just like, I love Lady C. I hope she doesn't kick out because I know Rob's going to be so... He's going to be so mad. You can hear his heart breaking. Like that episode of The Simpsons where you see Ralph Wiggum's heart breaking on TV. Folks at home, you can hear Rob's heart breaking. Rob, be a professional. What was the finish of this match, sir? It's a diving elbow drop. (laughs) The insane elbow drop. Don't sully... (laughs) Kyrie's insane elbow drop with this. It's like someone throwing a log off a bridge. Um, in, t- <laughs> in 10 minutes and 20 seconds. I Look, I will say now May Sakurai is improved 20-fold, 30-fold. Um, and I do... I do legitimately enjoy May Sakurai, but the one thing I do not enjoy is this absolute travesty of a diving elbow drop. Um, and I will stand by that until it gets better, which it just isn't. Can I ask you a question? When her and Julia does it, is it any better? I've, I've never liked the double elbow anyway because I don't think it would hurt as much. I don't know why. It's like when, um, you know, when Shawn Michaels, whenever he was in a ladder match, he'd put a ladder on someone and then do the elbow drop onto the ladder. And it's like, well, that's not going to hurt him. That's if anything, the ladder's protecting him. That's only going to hurt you. I don't know. It just it it seems to me like it wouldn't hurt as much as a single single elbow drop. I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe well, it's just me. Folks, Rob Goodwin just compared May Sakurai to Shawn Michaels. I mean, come on, the heartbreak come May, on. heartbreak May. I mean, like. Oh my goodness. 
she does a super kick on any show from now to the end of time. Absolutely, my head is my head is going to explode. Sweet chin, Mazik. I mean, like oh my it writes itself. Exactly, exactly. Some people do call May Sakurai the heartbreak kid of stardom. <laughs> so, I mean, it does it does make sense. Nobody calls she her needs, that. She needs to come out with a mirror and have like Doki be her like sensational. Face. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh my god. <laughs> This show's the best. <laughs> <laughs> match five was another six-woman tag team match. A blistering match as well, my match of the show. Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano, Natsupoy, and Yuna Mizumori defeated the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Hanan with Natsupoy getting a pin over Hanan, which we don't see very often now, uh, with the Ferial Gift in 13 minutes and 34 seconds. And then in your main event, a six-woman tag team match. The team of Micah, Suzu Suzuki, and the hometown girl herself, Meisera, defeated the Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa, Mariah May, and Wakasukiyama. Meisera submitting Wakasukiyama with the Dragon Sleeper in 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, Matt, obviously, I know you want to talk about the Cosmic Angels and Stars match because it was brilliant. Um, but it looks very much like we are going towards Julia and Azumi for the New Japan Strong Women's Championship from the way that match ended. Yeah, they did a really good job teasing that. Maybe that's something coming up maybe here in the States or maybe something that they'll do maybe on the Stardom X Stardom show, you know, depending on what five-star matches happen there. Um, obviously, they've announced the uh, the two championship matches, but Julia versus Azumi. Just in a singles match would be something that would be fantastic. Um, but you're going to put the New Japan Strong Championship on the line. Um, yeah, you know, I'm in. I'm in regardless. Uh, and I believe Julia and Azumi, they are in the same block for the five stars. So we maybe we'll get a little bit of a preview there. And maybe Azumi beats her. They go to a the, the good old TLD. And maybe they run it back for the Strong Championship sometime in the fall. But yeah, I am all for that. Because I don't think... Julian Azumi's ever had a singles match. And if it was, it was a couple of years ago before Julie became the megastar that she is. And before Azumi became, you know, what we assume is going to be top tier of the card by the end of this five star. So, and that'll be a really big shot in the arm of Azumi. Obviously she's been the backbone of that high speed division for the last year and a half, two years, or even longer. And then you're going to give her a match with just somebody, just a huge star whose name has been dropped several times on AEW TV. Um, I think that's just another huge shot shot in the arm for the high-speed bomb girl yeah they've never faced each other in singles competition and if you look at julia um they are indeed in the same block both in blue block um if you have got to try and stop julia getting through to the final because i don't think anyone has julia going back to back um so she needs to eat at least one loss um azumi makes sense because of the roll-ups, you know, that's the way that she beats Suri. In fact, she has two singles victories over Suri with that exact same move. So it would certainly make sense to have Julia pinned with the Azumi Sushi. Um, not only does that give Julia a loss in the tournament, which is necessary if you want someone else going through from Blue Block, um, but it also gives Azumi a legitimate um, shot a legitimate opportunity, a legitimate reason to go for the New Japan Strong Women's title. So I actually think Azumi will beat Julia in the five-star, um, and I don't think Julia loses anything from that. I mean, she's only lost once in singles competition. She's only been pinned once 
in the entire of the year, and we are in July, and she has been pinned once, and that was by Tam at All-Star Grand Queendom. So uh, I don't think anyone is going to begrudge and you know the odd pinfall in the five-star. Um, I'm very excited by the premise of that. Of course, May Sakurai then did the promo, which was brilliant. Um, but overall, Matt, let's talk about this Cosmic Angels and Stars match. Because for me, this was one of the better stardom matches, non-pay-per-view matches, that we've had in a good couple of months. This was fantastic and all condensed into just over 13 minutes, which was perfect. Yeah, my really my first big note is uh, Yuna Mizumori looks like, a, you know, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, she came out of this match looking like a star, mm, considering definitely. the fact that you have Hazuki. You have Hazuki, Mayu in there, and obviously Tam and Natsupo are two big stars for the company. Obviously, Tam is the world of stardom champion. You know, Mayu's Mayu. Glad she showed up at the right building. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, I thought they did a great job highlighting Yuna here, even to the point where early on in the match, for them to get the advantage on Cosmic Angels, that uh, they had to team up. You know, Mayu, Hazuki, and Hana had to do some some uh, traditional and fantastic stars teamwork, and it still blows my mind just the timing whenever they do either these triple teams or quadruple teams um, on the stars uh, teamwork. Just you have to be at the right place at the right time, and uh, it works out perfect almost every time. So I, I to me that just fascinates me. Um, I got to talk about the best part of the match, Rob. Violence, mm-hmm. Tam, and Hazuki. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Oh, now I'll get it, Suzuki. She is going to brutalize anybody that's in the ring. She comes out smiling, waving. She's like the nicest person in the world. That bell rings and forget about it. She's throwing those forearms like she's going to knock out King Kong. And uh, Tam, who can be pretty violent in her own ways, really had to step up her game to match the violence. And I hope that's somewhere that we're going. Obviously, I don't see Tam losing the belt until uh, All-Star Grand Queendom at the end of the year. Is it possible? Sure. I mean, the booking's been, uh, been uh, the booking has been so different that it, that it leads us to believe that the title change can happen at any time. And, you know, good on starting to, to shake things up a little. But I can see a Hazuki-Tam match somewhere down the line between now and the end of the year. And I don't think anybody will complain about that because these two absolutely brought pure violence can you imagine like the main event of a pay-per-view tam and hazuki 18 19 20 minutes good god that'll be that'll be absolutely fantastic but uh either this match was great uh in general hazuki and tam you keep forgetting that they never had the the big blow-off between the two of them they did have that match for tam's wonder of stardom championship uh, a year and a half ago in the fall of 2021 that went to a 30 minute time limit draw, but we've never really seen them resolve their issues. And the, the two of them, you know, their little interaction in the beginning, I thought was a great way to kind of set the stage for the rest of the match. Uh, obviously we will see Tam and Mayu in the same block of this year. It's five stars. So uh, again, I don't think they've had a singles match since that match back in 2021. So uh, that'll be interesting as well. But uh, Hanan, again, she looked really good. Her, I thought her stuff, with Natsupoi, where they kind of had the last like four or five minutes to kind of show what they can do in like a mini singles match. Again, the best part of this, I mean, there's so much great stuff about this match. Again, Mayu and Tam was great. Yuna, I thought, was the star in this match, and they did a great job building her up and bringing her up in the match. The best part of the match to me, again, was the Tam and Hazuki violence, and hopefully we see that um, in a championship match somewhere down the line. 
But the way this match ended with Han and Natsupo, I thought was great. I thought their timing was good. I thought everything, the falsies that they were doing back and forth were really, really well. And a really good sprint towards the finish with Natsupo and Han. And, and it just goes to show that if those two get the ball to, uh, you know, the opportunity to have a singles match, 10, 11, 12 minutes, that'll be an absolute, uh, you know, instant classic. Um, overall, though, Robbie, yeah, this was my favorite match of the two nights. I had this at a solid four stars. Absolutely loved all the aspects of this match. Yeah, completely agree. I had it three and three quarters. Um, I know that they didn't face each other in this match, but no days off Hazuki versus Mayu Iwatani on that opening night of the five-star Grand Prix. Oh, my God. we You're looking at someone who, as I've just said, does not have any days off, will just kick and brutalize anything, no matter what the context or the match. And you've got Mayu Iwatani, who is still to this day one of the best sellers. Like, if you give that match 12, 13 minutes, my God, it's going to blow the crowd away. It's getting already, you know, and we've had the full breakdown of matches on what days and things like that, and we'll go through all of it on our preview next week. But that is the match that immediately drew my eye out of the entire tournament. Mayu Iwatani versus Suzuki and Utami Haishista versus Julia. I'm very, yeah, Rob, very I just, excited. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, exactly, Utami and Julia, but I made mention to it about a week or two ago, but I just recorded on uh, just two days ago, Mayu's 2018 run. Mm. And her match with Suzuki was my favorite match from, from that entire, her entire five-star run. And then I know in a week or two, we're going to be doing Mayu versus Suzuki in 2019. I've never seen that match and I will not see it until we, uh, we go back and watch it. But the fact that these two are better now than they were in 2018 and 2019, what type of match are we going to get? I mean, I, we know what we're going to get. It's going to be high speed. It's going to be violence. It's going to be awesome. But, like, yeah, I'm super, super excited for Hazuki versus Mayu. Yeah, especially if Mayu's still the IWGP women's champion. I mean, it doesn't look like she's going to be defending that belt before the five-star. But, you know, Hazuki having another chance at the IWGP championship is another possibility. Obviously, I do think that Hazuki should be having a red belt shot at Tam. Um you know, in an ideal world, Hazuki wins the five-star, goes on to great, uh, Dream Queendom, defeats Tam and holds the red belt. I don't think anyone would begrudge that. I don't think anyone that watches Stardom on a weekly basis would begrudge Hazuki being on top of the company. Um, she at least deserves the white belt. And if she's not in the red belt match at Queendom, then I do, I do anticipate she will be in and around that white belt um, whether it's against Micah or whether it's against the current champion, Mirai. Um, I'm very, very, very excited. I'm excited to see what Hannon does in this tournament as well going forward. Because like I say, her match with Nats- her matchup with Natsupoy in those last five minutes, blistering and something I'm very, very, very much looking forward to. Um, this main event, Matt, um, Micah seems to be teaming a lot with Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah. And whilst it might not go anywhere and whilst it might just be a stopgap, um, whilst we await the uh, the what will inevitably be Suzu and May Sarah joining a faction, it's an extremely enjoyable trio, this three. Yeah, absolutely. But kind of before I get on that, I want to touch upon something. Robbie, have you ever seen the movie They Live with uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper? <laughs> I've seen parts of it, I believe. Okay. Okay. So you know that, like, once you put on the special glasses, you can see like who's an alien. Like, you like you yes. can kind of see the truth. I wonder from the beginning of this match if they gave. Su- I don't know if Suzuki wears contact lenses. Let's just say that she does. 
I wonder if they gave her trick contact lenses where Waka looked like Natsupoi. Because when this match started, boy, this is spooky. This beat, this beat the crap out of poor Waka. I was like, oh boy, like what's going on here? But uh, yeah, to answer your question, Mike has been teaming a lot with Suzume Sarah. And Julia said, I believe in like a press conference or a magazine article or something that said that if Micah wants to go and do her own thing, she's fine with that. So it's interesting to see what is going to happen. And these three have been gelling really well as a trio, especially when they do that. Uh, they do that spot where Suzu holds you up for like a half and a half suplex. And then uh, Maysair comes off the rope and uh, Mike kind of rocket launches her into a uh, a code breaker. I think that's like a really cool setup for the finish, uh, which is the setup for the finish here. So it's going to be interesting to see, yeah, you know, what happens, especially if Julia after the five star maybe does make a trip over here to the States to defend that new Japan strong championship belt. Um, it's an interesting shakeup in Donald Del Mundo. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, considering about a year and a half ago, DDM was Julia, Shuri, Micah, Himika, Natsupoi, Mirai, Tekla, and May Sakurai. And now if Micah leaves, it's just Julia, Tekla, and uh, May Sakurai. So it's like, oh boy, like what's going on here? So uh, yeah, because in fact how dominant DDM was, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, the fact they may be only down to three members, kind of interesting to see, but this would be an interesting way to kind of start a faction with Suzu, Maysair, and Micah. But yeah, these three as a team, this match in general was really good. Again, Waka plays a role really well. Very underrated in the ring. Mariah May is just ever improving every time she steps into a stardom ring. And of course, Mina Shirakawa is one of the biggest stars in the company and somebody that I expect to, uh, if not win the five star, you know, go very, very far in the tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's another matchup we didn't talk about in that five star is the fact that Micah will be taking on Julia. And I do wonder if we're going to get something at the end of that match. And uh, I talked about Julia obviously having to eat a couple of losses in this tournament. I do wonder if Micah and Azumi are those two losses. So setting up um, Azumi for the New Japan Strong Women's Championship and then setting up Micah for something. Because I feel like at the moment, Micah is sort of bubbling under the surface. Not in a bad way, but you feel like there is something coming. Um, It's like Jaws. You know the shark's there, you just don't (laughs) know when it's coming. Um, you know, folks, if you had Jaws and they live reference on your stardom cast bingo card, and of course, May Sarah, uh, May, Sa- blah, blah, blah. May Sakurai is uh, Shawn Michaels, don't forget that either. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the, the blocks now, and I know that we're not doing a preview of the five star, but this just it sets a couple of things in motion for me, and I do look at that blue block. And I do think it's a straight shootout for that block between Micah, Utami, and Julia. Um, I think Mariah will do well. I think Mina will have a great tournament. But for me, I would be very, very shocked if Micah is not first or second in the block. Very Mm. surprised. I can't wait for this. uh, I can't wait for this, this show next week. You might have to, you might have to skip your, I don't, I don't want to tell you how to live your life. You might have to skip your football match, Rob. Or we might have to show, start the show two hours early. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, brother. We got a lot to talk about, and I'm super, super excited for it. Absolutely. I think between this, between the G1 starting, between the 18,000 books I'm starting, 
I don't understand where I'm going to get sleep, but I don't care. It's going to be great. Um, so- you're so excited. You're so, I can, you're so excited, but I love it. I love super duper excited Rob Goodwin. It's like Absolutely. if we were in Super Mario Brothers, he just got the star, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> He's going every- to run through everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. I've eaten some mushrooms. I've got my red plumber's hat on, and I'm ready to go. Um <laughs> I mean, I'm doing mushrooms. (laughs) Go ahead, my God. I mean, if you're thinking too long didn't, you know, too long didn't read. Basically, the matches you need to check out from the 8th of July, certainly that semi-main event: Tam Nakano, Natsupo, Yunamizumori versus Mayu Tani, Hazuki, and Hanan. Fantastic match. On top of that. There is a beautiful, and something we haven't talked about, there is a beautiful exchange between Julia and Azumi, um, where they literally just lay the smack down on each other. They just explode into forearms of each other. That's really, really good. The rest of the match is good, but there's that moment that really, really brings to the fore that this is a match that we could be seeing for a championship soon. And then the main event. If you like people throwing lariats, if you like people targeting limbs if you like people just hitting each other really really hard this match is for you so those are the three matches that i will probably pick out of the show on the eighth matt is there anything that you would sort of say to disagree with that or no i agree again it's stardom every match is good it was nice to see hanako get in there with momo watanabe uh you know getting getting some experience with one of the best wrestlers on the stardom roster and uh even though she didn't get the pinfall, Saida had her hand raised, which always puts a smile on the face of me and Rob Goodwin. Absolutely. Saida, no matter who they put her with, whether it's Hanan, whether it's Suzuki, whether it's Kagama, she has really good chemistry with whoever she's teamed with on the Stars roster. And that's why I'm hopeful that at some point we are going to get a Goddess of Stardom title challenge. It wouldn't surprise me if her and Hanan are a title challenge for Rose Gold if Rose Gold are to retain at Stardom X Stardom, which I think we both think they will. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a... I don't think that they win Wingori by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it would be great exposure, certainly for Hannon, and I think it'd be great for Sayurida, who unfortunately is the bottom of the pile, really, in terms of stars. If you have all six members of stars, she's the one eating the pinfall unfortunately so it'll be nice to see her in a prevalent spot as well um i think at the uh i'm sorry to cut you off but i no, just had no. something on the top of my head i think on that corkin show which should be dropping any any day now i think it's wing glory versus fwc i thought i saw that on a graphic somewhere i think you might be right i think we talked about it last week um it, it honestly there's that much stuff that is going on in stardom <laughs> at the moment that it's impossible to keep track of but I, we, and we love it we love the chaos <laughs> oh yeah please don't think for a moment that i'm uh, being negative but if we have a look now so it was the ninth wasn't it so i'm not looking at the results i'm looking at the schedule because i don't want to ruin it for myself um so we had the generational struggle elimination match which we talked about um and then yeah, so at the moment on the opener, it says in terms of the running order, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's not the opener. Um, Azuki and Kagama versus Wingori. Oof. Oof. The fact that they sold out Quirk and Hall Rod, I know it was a sellout. They sold it out, and it's there's no five-star matches. There's no nope. championship match. There's not nope. like Himika's retirement. There's no gimmick. And again, from what I, again, they sold it out. 
from what I understand, I could be wrong that they sold more tickets to this show than New Japan did for the uh, their Independence Day shows with with huge stars like Eddie Kingston, Kenta, and John Moxley on it. Again, I could be wrong, but if you're selling the, out that building, that means you know you you're, you're at the max. So that's that's crazy, but yet not shocking that Stardom has once again packed you know fourteen fifteen hundred in Cork and Hall. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly uh, it certainly pays testament to uh, to the growth of the company. Um, but that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us roughly to the end of our podcast episode today. So currently, um, on the back burner for Stardom, obviously we haven't had the show from the ninth uploaded as we record the twelfth. Um, Stardom have just started their Summer North tour, um, so there was a show today. Um, there is a show tomorrow. So the show today is from Hokkaido and I believe the show tomorrow is from Hokkaido as well. Um, we've also got the 16th and the 17th and the 19th and the 20th and the 21st that are all in the space of a week. Now, obviously, Stardom Uploads permitting will probably be covering the Corican show and we will probably, maybe, maybe be covering those two Hokkaido shows. I'd be surprised if the weekend shows are up, but hopefully next week, alongside our preview of the five-star Grand Prix, which is going to be mammoth, so you better be ready for it, um, and alongside Matt's uh, review of GCW Now and Forever from the Melrose Ballroom in New York, um, and just everything else we're going to be talking about <laughs> It's going to be an absolute mammoth episode. Maybe I do need to cancel football next week. Um, we'll see. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure as always. As I've already mentioned, it has been a shorter episode this week, but I can guarantee that this will not bleed over into next week. So uh, don't <laughs> worry. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you can, leave us a five-star review. It really does help the podcast out. It helps us to be exposed to more people. It helps us fire up those ratings as well and the rankings, uh, which is always a good thing. It would really help us out. And it's a completely free way of supporting the podcast. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash the star. Cast coming up later this week. The form for our five-star competition will go live. Um, so for all of our patrons, $1 tier and above, um, we are going to have our five-star pickums. Um, go and have a go, um, and you will be able to win a prize of your choice um, from our merch store. Up to a hoodie, I believe the... the uh, the cutoff was from uh, from Mr. Matt Turner. So keep an eye on our socials uh, for that. Speaking of socials, you can find us wherever you get your social media fix, whether it's Twitter, whether it's threads, which we now have, um, or whether it's Instagram. We are everywhere at the Stardom Cast. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Uh, if you want to talk to me, it's at Real Rob Goodwin. Matt Turner, sign us off, good sir. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, folks. We greatly appreciate your uh, your time um, and listening to this uh, fantastic show. As, as you can hear, we chuckled quite a bit. Sometimes we, we have an idea where we're going to go. Sometimes we don't know if we're going to mention Shawn Michaels and Jaws and they live on the show. And that's mm -hmm. just the beauty of the podcast. But uh, if you want to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF, on the Instagram and or the Twitter, 
is the best way to get a hold of me. If you want to shoot me an email, that's perfectly fine as well. The stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Once again, folks, if you are going to be at the GCW show in New York City, if you spot me, come over and say hello. I'd love to chat with you. And if you're over the age of 21, regardless of what Rob says, uh, I will definitely buy you an alcoholic beverage um, because that's just the kind of person I am. And uh, yeah, just come on and say hello. We can have a, a, a general stardom chat. So, uh, and again, folks, I cannot say thank you enough for the fantastic support. It really just blows me away on a daily basis that we get to talk to people from all over the world who uh, listen to the show, support the show, and most importantly, support the best wrestling company in the world, that is stardom um like i always say folks it's just not my podcast it's our podcast because we're all in this together everybody's different everybody's special credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.